Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome everybody to episode five of Girl You Know It. It is a pleasure to have our guest today, Oele. Corner clap. Thank you for joining us. And today we'll be talking about womanism and feminism or womanism versus feminism. I don't know. Stay tuned to listen. So let's start off. Let's talk about feminism. Do you feel that you're a feminist by definition? Do you feel that you're just a feminist or do you feel like you actually don't even relate to that term? Let's talk about it. Um, I'm gonna give it, I'm, I'm gonna give it over to Awele first. You're our guest. Oh. <laughs> FYI, Awele is our content creator for Black Women Connect Vancouver. She's killing it. She has her own podcast. I mean, she's just coming in and she's a, another tall sister. So like we yes, can yes, 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 yes. that stuff. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pass it off to you, Awele, because I feel like this will be great since you're a guest to know your thoughts. Um, yeah, I think personally I do identify as a feminist, um, but I, I like to practice um, intersections with my feminism, which means I understand the ideologies of feminism, but I also realize that it doesn't, it doesn't really apply to every woman, because um, I think that every woman's um, realities is different because when you look at feminism as a movement, you have to also put in the consideration of like race um, and stuff like that. I think it's really, really important. Um, but one thing I know for sure is, um, I know textbook, or textbook definition is, you know, it's the advocacy or belief in equality for the sexes, um, politically, economically, um, socially. So it's really trying to create a balance between um, men and women for us to be on like a level plane. Um, and if we go back in history, you see that um, if we're looking at it as on like a weighing scale, um, men have been here um, for a long time and women have been really bottom um, detail of the patriarchal structures that we have in place. Um, so for years, um, women have been working so hard to really balance that out, you know, break gas cylinders, um, resolve like the gender pay gap, give women the rights to vote, um, give women the rights to own their body and so on. Um, but when you look at it, it's only really a few women who have been able to achieve this, like white women, they've been able to get their own sort of like liberation. And then you have Black women who are being left behind. And then you have uh, me personally, even being a Nigerian, our, our cases of, you know, fighting for our rights is so much different because the ideologies in Africa is still backwards. Um, so my, me, my feminism is constantly growing, it's constantly evolving, it's opening up space for every woman, um, inclusive of um, trans women, making sure that everyone feels 
um, they have a space and they're being represented, um, represented in all forms and making sure that no one feels like they're left out. Yeah, that's really good. I really like what you said about um, your feminism evolving. I think that a lot of people, they do, they take an, a definition of something and they like focus on it and they don't change. And I think it really comes into play with like recent discussions, like women with an X and like everybody was doing that. And then all of a sudden it was like, actually that's trans exclusive. So let's learn and move forward. So I really like that piece about like, it's a, an evolving narrative for you. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. And I think that, you know, as we develop, even develop our own ideologies and understandings of different things, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's an ever growing process. It'll never stop. You'll never get to a pinnacle and be like, I am the most, you know, um, uh, liberated or free. And as even Awele said, right, the freedom really uh, depends on and the liberation of the people who are at the bottom, right, of that totem pole. And so once those people are liberated, then can we really be liberated? Otherwise, we're just living a form of liberation, right? We're living kind of um, aspects of it that we deem to be successful as well. And I notice it even in the, um, you know, the way that um, Indigenous folks are being treated right now, um, you know, just in the way that I want to be liberated, even being here, I was like, hmm, maybe this is not liberating, right? Um, and in the same way that we fight for and kind of talk about womanism and feminism in South Africa, at least for myself, I was never in those rooms. I never had those conversations. It was never a topic that was brought to me, right? It was kind of just like a general understanding of human rights and principles and stuff like that. So I've had to learn it over time and I'm definitely still learning and growing as well. So I don't feel like I have my own, like, mm, this is what it is, but I definitely know what it's not. Sorry, there was like so many gems in there. I definitely know what it's not. Like, ooh, I was trying to like snap for you, sorry. No, I'm gonna answer last. Natasia, what do you think about feminism? Okay, so I'm not host no more. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do I feel? I feel like I'm similar to Willie in terms of mine also evolving I think by in general like if people are like oh blah 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 if you're this I just go if I'm a feminist I'm a feminist by definition and if I'm talking about making sure that we have all these extra y and z rights and we're equal that's usually the definition I go by but then I'm like but if it's not intersectional I don't want it and that's usually what I say like that's literally just my own de definition so to me I just kind of make it really simple and I don't write it overcomplicated because like you said, there's always like new trends coming in, always new things of like, add this, change this, if you're not saying this. And it's just like, to me, I'm just like, I'm going by the definition that we're all equal. Anyone who's a woman identifies a woman and is it intersectional? Like, is everyone actually included in this definition? And then that's just kind of what I go with. And to me, then I, it also goes into like, am I doing that in my own life? Am I being inclusive? for other women um, in my feminist, right? It's one thing to say I'm a feminist, it's another thing to show it in your life. And I think that that is the interesting part I find a lot with the feminist movement is because 
it's so easy just to say like, I'm all for like women's rights. I'm all for like feminism. But at the same time, like you can look at some of these women. It's like, you just want a platform to say it. Like when I see you in person, you're not this person. You're not inclusive. You're not kind. You don't make sure that women's voices get amplified. And so to me, I'm like, you're just using this as another trend. And so I just feel like with feminism, that's been my annoyance. And so that's why I don't ever say I'm a feminist. I'll just say I'm a feminist by definition because I just feel like now people are just screaming and shouting just to say it so they look cool. Like Black Lives Matter, as long as you say it, put a black square, you know, hey. <laughs> um, first of all, I'm not trying to take the host thing away from you. <laughs> I'm just excited to hear what everybody else's definition is before I like jump in because I'm all like fired up and I feel like, you know, I am very appreciative of like that. I think language and linguistics and, and explicitness is really important in terms of being inclusive. Um, I completely agree with everybody's definition of feminism in terms of being inclusive and making sure there's equity. Um, my pet peeve for sure is yours as well, Antithia, in terms of like, if you're gonna talk the talk, then walk the walk. Um, International Women's Day is great. The month is great. It, Women's History Month is great. But, uh, and the intention of it in terms of like uplifting women's voices is a really great thing to do um, globally. But unfortunately, again, it tends to be the same people who have those platforms who are reaping the benefits of what International Women's Day is, is trying to achieve. And it perpetuates continually the people at the bottom, the women at the bottom, not being able to climb the ladder. And like, that's, as much as, you know, we love stuff, we can also be critical of it and go, what is it serving? Like, what is its purpose? Is it actually achieving an, an ultimate goal of liberation? And sometimes it just isn't. And that's the unfortunate thing. And that's what I'm going to say on that. I was a little fired before, but I, I calmed it down. <laughs> I definitely like, <clears throat> like, I understand the part of um, women, like people talk the talk, but don't actually work the work. Like, uh, I think it's so easy for people to say I'm a feminist or I support women. But um, if you look at the statistics of where women are at now, when it comes to being paid more for their work, um, getting a seat at the table and um, everyone talks about diversity but there's still like a lot of work that has to be done you know um, like I said like feminism is always evolving and people are allowed like my feminism is also giving other women the grace to explore what their own feminism looks like um, but it's just in hopes that you're actually really including everyone um, but like like you said like I feel like people only want to like do stuff or remember women when it's International Women's Day or Women's History Month like um me being Nigeria we got all of these memes of like um Nigerian men appreciating like Nigerian women and there was like a picture of like oh happy International Women's Day and there's a man in the middle of it and it's just like <laughs> we get only this day and you still want to center yourself in the conversation so it's things like that but it's just like yeah, the photo ops are nice. The photo shoots are nice, but um, are you crowdfunding money to send girls to? There's two girls who can't afford to go to school or get an education. Um, how are you trying in your own company or your own space to make sure that um, the faces at the table are representation of the people who work for you? You know, so it's really things like that. Like the, we'll, thank you for all of the Instagram posts. We appreciated the graphics, but it goes beyond that. Like 
put money in women's pocket because that's what that's what women need women need to be promoted women need to be paid <laughs> and women don't need to be killed women don't need to be violated or disrespected so women need to have the rights to their own bodies so it's conversations like that that it's just like it trumps all of the you know optics you all do on instagram it's bigger than that like these are the real issues we're bringing and not to say all of those things don't matter as well they do but these are the conversations that we are trying to say this is why you need to understand like the liberation of like women and the struggles yeah no that's very true i think that um as we tried to like you said like evolve our feminism and look what it looks like and i think more issues kind of arise or maybe get put into the forefront when it comes to issues that women are facing. Um, I feel like every generation had their thing, right? Of like, maybe our moms went through like a whole different thing and our grandmothers, et cetera. And then like, we're going through a different kind of evolution of like what womanhood looks like, what feminism looks like in our personal lives. Do you, is there something that stands out to you that feel either globally or in your own personal life or with other women in your life, you're like, this is our issue right now, or maybe even a personal issue you find in your, that's like a problem. Um, I think, oh, I don't know if it's like a problem and I, and I don't know if it will answer your question like that, but what came up for me was like, you know, an opportunity to, when we are in our sisterhoods, actually talk, right? And like actually get to the uh, removal of shame and the guilt around the things that we've been through. And they don't even have to be, you know, primarily around talking about, you know, sexual assault or like abuses and stuff like that, but just even to talk to each other, um, um, you know, just about like your, your, your faults or the things that you did wrong and how you were learning and how you were growing. I think that in our conversations um, in these rooms, at least for me, uh, the type of feminism or the way that I'd like to see it um, is to move into having deeper conversations uh, inside our sisterhoods about honestly everything growing sharing information um, you know asking each other for okay like for real for real right really sharing information mentioning each other in the boardrooms uh, in the rooms that we're in as well um, and then just even like really I don't know like I you for me are my role models. When I look at you know the, the, the women that I work with, you are my role models. I aspire to have aspects of you inside me. And I don't aspire to compete with you when I do that, but I aspire to work with you so that I can see what it looks like to have those characteristics and to cultivate them for myself. So I think for me, that's what's just kind of missing. It's like, there's only a one of, and you can build all of these things inside of yourself. And you have to be this one standard woman where we're all so different. And like, I don't want some of the aspects of the women who are trying to climb the corporate ladder I don't that's not who I want to be in the and you know and the model that I want to live through so another question at the tail end of the answer is can we talk about feminism and like you know this idea outside of a capitalistic framework and lens wow um I just I also just kind of to add to like what Paris is that um I think we also have to realize that like um women have been not like harmful like patriarchal messages like from birth like um the way uh, women are being raised is not how men are being raised like men are not being raised to be in competition with each other um in fact they actually raised to 
the wolf pack like and seek validations from like each other but when it comes to us we have to be each other's competition um literally in everything in beauty in um even in our emotions in our fertility and i think um it takes us as women to also do the work of unlearning certain things that push this narrative of you know upholding that structure that has been in place for like centuries so um sometimes i think even us as women we forget <laughs> you, you you feel like you're in competition with another woman and it's just like no you're not you can we can all just be very diverse in our own ways and we can use that to just sort of elevate each other but it really takes us just like taking a step back to say oh damn like this is actually not a good way to think and then try to like work through it or like change it and it really takes like a really big um self-realization that's one of the reasons why you know sometimes i always question women who are always trying to fight like feminism who are just like i'm not a feminist i'm a humanist and i'm just like that's fine if you're not a feminist because my feminism also gives me the choice to advocate for you when you need it or speak for you when you need to be at the seat or like at the table or have a seat at the table um that's all my feminism i don't really care if you believe in it but i also have to be like where is that coming from you know when you say that like i see women would be like i am i equate um i fight for the equality of both genders and i'm just like that that is a good way to think but it, that will only apply if you know we were at almost like a really good balance because we're not at a good balance and anyone who's telling themselves that lies just isn't just a liar you know i've heard women say i don't like the way women speak about men the whole men are trash and men are scum you know and i feel like it's worse now because um we have a new wave of like social media like feminism that people don't want to subscribe to um i think people forget that you people find ways to um push their movement or push their activism who are we to judge and you know i mean people always don't understand the meaning behind behind certain things or statements or trends people just look at it as it is or men are trash and they get upset but it's just like there's a bigger conversation behind that statement men are trash or like men are scum and if there are women whose whose feminism is to push that then they should be able to allow to exist because it rightfully so um so when people say conversations like i i really just advocate for like both sexes and it's just like that would be fair if <laughs> if it was true but there's no balance there's still a long way for women to go it's almost like saying that I'm basically going to stroke a man's ego so that women can finally exist. And then you also have to realize that we're not just both sexes anymore. There are other people, there are trans women now who come into the equation. So how well are you really advocating for like both sexes or you're a humanist or uh, you're just like looking at the rights of like all genders? And I'm just like, that is really a good way to look at life. But it's also very... Um, generous and it's also very unfair because you're trying to say that okay women and men are like men's like 60 percent and like women are like 50 50 or 40 or something and that's not true because men are literally like 80 and women are still like 20 percent still trying to like get up that ladder like oh my god i'm trying to be on the same level as you um but yeah before i ramble on (laughs) thanks for sharing that was really good (laughs) Mm. um 
off of what you said, Awele, about, you know, humanism or, you know, people don't subscribe to feminism and like stroking the male ego. For me, and this is also going to go back to Natasia's question, for me, I've been like in a period of like deconstructing like my spirituality and what that looks like outside of the church. And I know that embedded within a lot of religious narratives, feminism is very quote unquote worldly. It's it's too um, liberal, it's too progressive to be like incorporated into theology. And it's, it's, and I'm shaking my head too, because it's that thing. It's like, you know, men are the head of the household, that kind of thing. And it's like very hard sometimes to have conversations with people like that. Um, I have removed a lot of those people from my life because I don't have time for that shit. But um, it's, it's, it's so embedded that like, you can't, advocate for your own liberation without um, destroying the male ego within, you know, an institution. And I think that also comes back to Natalia's question, what is our our thing for this generation? And I think our thing for this generation is gender-based violence. Gender-based violence is a huge thing and it's upheld within institutions that are religious. I'm Unfortunately, I'm gonna say a blanket statement, but sometimes it is or uh, within uh, capitalism or within like economics. And it's so wild that like, even like the past couple weeks with um, that woman who was murdered in the UK and you know, this whole hashtag not all men, it's like, okay, hashtag not all men, but all women. All women are have so many stories of dealing with, um, fear, unsafety, um, you know, walking at night, every single woman has a story of what they did, ridiculous, ridiculous antics to make sure that they were safe. And now all these men are butthurt and upset, but like, oh, am I a person who's like perpetuated some harassment? Yes, yes, you are. You all have done that shit. But I think it's good that we're having this conversation about what that looks like within feminism, within intersectionality, because, you know, there is violence perpetuated against white women. But what about a trans woman? What about a disabled woman? What about a racialized woman? What does that look like? So I think that it's all tied into each other. And I think that's going to be our biggest fight in terms of um, moving the needle forward for feminism. Yeah, no, I definitely agree because especially with gender-based violence, I mean, it's a global issue. Like one country, right? Like I go back to Zambia and talk about numerous instances where women, right, are being attacked or, you know, whatever. Like for me, when I look at gender-based violence, and I don't know if this is a definition, so don't come at me, people. But I just mean, like, to me, when I listen to the word violence, what are you causing harm to that person, right? Whether it be physical, are you, like, the way you talk to a person can be violent, um, and the way you interact with someone can be violent. So to me, when I look at gender-based violence, not by the definition, um, that's what I view it as. Because, like, if you look at different, like, like you said, institutions or cultural practices, it's like, the way a person talks to someone can be incredibly violent and cause harm to that person, right? And so it's just like, it's one thing to be like, you know, catcalled or whatever, but it's not one thing to be like harassed in a violent way with your words. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really frustrating because I do believe that that's it because the more we speak up and say, that's not okay, the more people say, well, you can just take it, you know, like, it's not like someone else hasn't said that to you. It's like, that's the whole point, stop saying it. Like, that is the point. <laughs> And so I think for me, yeah, I agree. Maybe that is our issue for this generation because it's true, because it's something that we, I think 
it, it might be also the issue of our generation because we're able to speak about it now. I don't feel like our mothers were able to talk about it. I don't feel like our grandmothers were able to talk about it. We don't know their stories, right? And so I'm just, so I do believe that maybe now we're in this moment where we're actually speaking up as like the newer, younger generation and being able to actually have a voice and say, we don't care anymore, change this or else, you know? And so maybe that's also why we're able to speak about it more, maybe because before in the past it was just swept, like swept under the rug or it's like a corporate issue of like you're just supposed to take it like if you want this job this is what you're supposed to do if you want to be in this religious institution this is what you're supposed to take so maybe our voice now is just like speaking up more till it changes yeah um you know like just adding to what um else um said um i think this is probably will lead us to our other part of like this topic is because you know, I want to even just say like the the statement like men are trash is just is bigger than the whole um, well because he ghosted me or um, we're dating or he cheated on me. Um, this hashtag really began from like South Africa um, because of the huge amount of gender based violence and sexual assault that I occurred in South Africa. And if anyone actually Google's it, South Africa has the highest number of violence perpetrated against women it's ridiculous like every year there's always like a hashtag for a girl that was assaulted beaten to death and worse um so strong women of south african young old um all types of women all came out to match and just said men are trash mm -hmm. and it's so funny when we, i mean people use men are trash for all different type of scenarios now but if anyone actually just took their time to educate themselves, so people understand that this is a bigger conversation. And when women say men are trash, it's not an attack against your personality. And you don't deserve a fucking cookie because you don't rape women or you don't assault women or you don't disrespect women or because you walked, you walked me home from the club now you think you deserve like a cookie or you deserve a round of applause. And it's just like, it's a given don't assault women don't rape women don't perpetrate any form of violence against women and that's not something that has to be applauded it's just i don't i i don't um disrespect you i don't perpetrate any violence against you and i don't expect you to reward me for doing that because that's just a given you know um so a lot of a lot of this conversation is um when men say not all men but it, it really it really is all men you know, because you you can't, there's always a man who doesn't say, who says, I don't know any of my friend who is a rapist or who is an abuser. And that's not true. Like if, if one thing I've went over my <laughs> 25 years of existing in, um, in this life is abusers and men get to perpetrate the type of violence they perpetrate because they have people in their circle who uphold them. They have people who protect them, who hide their secrets. And I've, I've seen it for years, you know, when a guy um, does something in a very sexual violating man to a woman, there's always a guy saying, well, he didn't really mean it that way. He didn't mean it to touch you in that way. Like it was never his intention or they want to apologize on his behalf or just let it go, just let it slide. I, I recently just had like a case where it was just like, his friends were just like, oh, can we meet to have like a mediation? Like he didn't really mean it that way. Instead of you calling it out and saying, that was wrong, man. You need to go report yourself because you violated someone's consent. Um, but even just, I always take it back to my root as being Nigerians. Like 
there are cases of so many women being abused and violated by their husbands, but no one says anything because everyone's told they start that because it's not our business. That's their family house, so that's how they go, blah, 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 blah. And that has happened for years because you have men who are in power. And people forget that just emotional abuse, financial abuse, they all tie into all of this bigger conversation because all of those things, they give power for someone to be able to do the type of evil they perpetrate against women. So like overall, one of the things, someone said something that was really, really accurate. So white fragility and male fragility is just the same thing. It's the same thing when you call out a white woman for um, doing something that is wrong, like a microaggression. Like you saw it on TV with, um, um, what's her name? Kelly Osborne's mom. Sharon Osborne, when with uh, uh, Sherry Osborne. Sharon Osborne. Yeah, she she was basically shouting at the black woman on national TV that don't cry. I'm the one who's supposed to be crying, you know, over a conversation like racism. She was like, I'm the one supposed to be crying. Teach me, educate me, you know, literally pushing her um, her aggressiveness on her. But you know, Cheryl had to stay calm because. It's already that narrative of us as Black women being aggressive, being angry. And we've seen that with Serena Williams. Every time she plays, she's just expressing how much she's passionate about being a good tennis player. She's going to be drawn as a caricature, as an angry Black masculine woman. So it's, it's, it's those things. They're very, very, very interconnected because it's just like that's how men feel when women talk about their issues, their realities. Every time I gather amongst women, we're either talking about violence or being abused or being disrespected in so many multiple ways. But who are the other nine factors behind all of these things? Men. Even when you talk to other men who are being violated by men, who is the underlying factor of men? So there is a conversation to be had. And until men want to take a step back and remove their egos and say it's not about them, and to be an ally to women and to the issues that women face, you really have to realize you can take any fucking digs for anywhere. Women go through worse. So why are you upset? You know? So it's it's conversations like that and stuff like that that it really has me thinking of all night. It's just like we have a really long way to go. Cause a lot of people think, oh, there's a balance. A lot of people think that we're getting somewhere. No, we're not. No, we're not because like we said before, some women might have gotten their liberation, but there's so much others who are still far behind. 100%. And I think that, you know, it's the, it's so funny because um, when, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just coming to be really funny. So, you know, when people say, you know, all lives matter, um, you know, all this kind of stuff, it's like, they want to remove the empathy. They want to remove being able to see you, um, you know, in the way that they might've perpetrated it as well. But it's also because they cannot separate themselves outside of their uh, being a man, right? Like I find that a lot of the times um, men don't have an identity outside of that. They don't have an identity outside of being the one who picks you up. They don't have an identity outside of being the person at the club, right? 
all of their identities are very external. Like I have to do this, I have to dominate this, I have to get this, it's like external validation. And so the moment that you're saying, when you're hollering at me on the street, I don't like that, they have to stop that. But then how else do they then, you know, work their magic? What if their magic is just to be a smooth talker? Then they're dead in the water, right? And so they need to start confronting themselves and being like, you know, what is my identity? What else do I have to bring to the table outside of being this one type of man, this one type of this, instead of trying to say, not all men because I also find that you know people that get offended by men are trash are the ones that are trash right it stings because it's true like the truth hurts right if somebody says to you oh you know you're pretending to be um you know a white person or whatever the case is right someone says something random about you you don't turn around and be like oh yeah whatever whatever you're just like clearly this person doesn't know who I am, I'm out of here, right? But the more that you're fighting, you know that it's true because it's digging at something inside of you. So really do that work and maybe stop asking women how you can help and like actually look at the plethora of books that are out there that talk about how you have done wrong, how you can help and how you can learn. Just read, why do I have to teach you? There's been countless, and if you look, right? Me, I have a bookshelf. Elle, do you have a bookshelf of books? I do. Awela, you have a bookshelf, you have a bookshelf. It's like, who are the ones that are reading and who are the ones who are not? Right. And then it begs the question, who are the ones that are actually here and ready to evolve and to change? And it's not to say that obviously, you know, all women are readers and like this, but, you know, we're groomed to want to or need to personally develop. We're groomed to have to bring 70 things on the list where a man can just have money or he can be a smooth talker or he can be this. Right. And then he just ticks one box and then boom, he's got it. And that's the same way that we see feminism or at least white fem white feminism working for white women, right? It's like, if they are this, if they're, if, if they can check that one box for them, then they have a foot in. But like, for me, I don't want a foot in, right? I don't want a foot into that door because that door, <laughs> it's got diseases in there. I don't want it. But then I also don't want you to be, you know, doing what you're doing in your house into my house as well. I was explaining to people, it's like, you know, they say, oh, um, you know, for example, domestic violence. And I heard this a lot in South Africa, right? Um, you know, uh, men who don't want to fix their attitudes to treating women. They'll say, oh, abuse happens anyway. Oh, you know, the husband beats them. Oh, this, this. It's like, okay, showcase, right? If you know that there's abuse happening in this house, right? That's like you beating up your partner and then walking out of this house and going next door and beating that partner and beating that partner because it exists. It's like, just because it's there, it doesn't mean you have to amplify the problem. You don't shrug it off because it's there. You actually deal with it and you try to stop it. So I think it's a lot of people just not trying to do shit. They just want to like sit back and relax and like, oh, now I know about it. So that must absolve me. It doesn't. You still have to do the work. Yeah. It's I, hard. I, I, have a, I have a question just to what Palissa said, like, because she, you said something about, you know, wanting to do the work and wanting to learn and educate ourselves um, and I want to ask you girls, because I, I want to get to a point, like, when did you first discover that you had to understand, like, the ideologies of feminism, you know, like, when did you feel like, oh, I need to educate myself on what this means more? Because for me, going to do all of this reading, it really came from being young and just realizing, like, there was an imbalance between men and women. And it actually just stemmed from, like, little things, like, when my dad says to me, um, why are you not in the kitchen with your mom learning how to cook? Um, what are you going to do when you get to your husband's house? 
And when my mom would say to my brother, oh, he doesn't have to do the dishes because he's a man. He can do other things, but that's something that you have to do. It was little things like gender roles and like, what am I supposed to do in the house? And my dad is so big on education and will send me anywhere to get multiple degrees, but then reduce all of that to what will be my performance in <laughs> my husband's house. He doesn't think that way anymore, but you know, it made me from a very young age just realize, I don't think this is right. It don't sit well with my spirit. I don't like the way this is feeling. And it made me want to start reading. And that's what, I, I, that's what I'm getting as I'm asking you this question because I think men like the fact that they are the oppressors and like to dictate to us as the oppressed how we should advocate for our rights mm. because they've never had to face any fault. Like, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because people say, well, you know, black boys get killed. And that is a form of oppression. That is very valid. No one's invalidating that. But, I do, but men benefit from the society and what society has to offer them because of the way the structure is. So they've never had to go to educate themselves on like what struggles women can be facing. If the roles were reversed, maybe they will actually pick up a book and say, I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to read. Because I, it took me realizing that oh damn my relatives are different from them for me saying that there has to be a thing for this there has to be something for this and then wanting to start reading about like the history of like women who are just like fighting advocating for their rights it took me re reading like african writers talking about how, how us as african women nigerian women are second class citizens so like my question to really is like when did you just realize that okay something's just off like i need to go maybe read or educate myself or understand the meaning of like feminism I think for me, um, it was when my baby brother was born and well, not when he was born, but like when he was getting older and just growing, I think culturally, because I was raised in South Africa, there's, you know, the cultural understanding of what men and women do and what their purpose is and like, you know, how they um, serve. And so growing up for me, when I looked out, I was like, oh, I'm doing my part, right? I'm doing my part. And there's a part that I can play in this role as, you know, I have to be in the kitchen and then there's like different ages and levels. You do the dishes, you do the cooking, you have to learn how to cook for mass for all these people and I was wondering I was like you know it's really interesting that we're here taking care to feed the people but every time a speech has to be given at a wedding you know it's a man or you know there's something that has to be addressed about lineage or you know the culture of passing on information and wisdom you know it comes from a man um and I think for me that was at a wedding I can't tell you how old I was, but it was definitely at a wedding where I saw women doing the feeding and the cooking and all of that. And then the men doing, you know, the bartering, the trading, they're the ones that are uh, where you have to cross first. They're the threshold for the knowledge, for the access to what the women are providing, which is this, you know, opportunity to be taken care of. And I didn't think that that was fair because I got tired of cooking and I also wanted to say a speech. Um, and so for me, I don't think it was where I started to read because like I said, um, I'm still ever evolving now. And I think now I'm really picking up books and being like, okay, so this book is titled this, this book is titled that, where back home, I think it was just talking to um, the other women in my family, the older women in my family um, about these types of things. Yeah, I think for me, like, because they're all, for us, it's different because they're all girls in our family. And I think moving to different countries and things like that, my dad already kind of saw, like, you're going to have all these things to deal with, like, one, being an immigrant, two, being a woman, like, three, being a woman of color, and, like, all these things are against you, right? And I think for us, we were just raised in a household where it's like, 
you either figure out how to do it or don't complain, you know? So it's like, you can do whatever everyone else is doing. And I think we all grew up in that kind of setting. And then when we got into like, got older and things like that, we saw that we're actually not being treated equal, even if we do everything and anything. I think that hit us of like, okay, what does this actually look like in different settings now? Because now we're in spaces, we're older, we're wiser in some ways and trying to figure out what equality looks like because we were taught that if you do this, this and this, you know, you'll get to where you need to be. But then at the same time, you're still going to be hit with being not equal in situations. So I think for all of us, I think we more always had that kind of, we know it was wrong, but I think we had to figure out how do we combat it now with this mindset that we have in this world that we're living in. And so I think for us, that was, it was more of a switch of the opposite of like learning to navigate in the spaces that don't want us there. And so I think that was our struggle. But I mean, also like same like being African I mean the cultural practices of the same things were said to you of like you know learn to cook and because we're all women I mean I never got to experience the like watch a like the like experience what you two just said of like the boy not cleaning or whatever it was just kind of an expectation like my dad cleaned and stuff so I think for me I always saw that so now when I see men that just like don't clean or do dishes or cook I'm just like so I was kind of going, like, well, I grew up in a household that that's that the opposite. You're just like, what in the ghetto is this? Yeah, <laughs> then I'm like, I actually do the opposite. I'm just like, you can do it. You have two hands. Like, I'll hear and help, but it's a partnership. It's not a, you're here and I'm here. This is a partnership. How do we fix this house? Like, it's either going to be dirty or we both do it. Like, so... <laughs> it's just you just have to find the balance and I think that yeah watching the balance of that has been interesting but I mean that's that perspective but I think also like when you have I guess um when our moms kind of grew up in the different side of that they grew up with like being taught like this is what you do in the, in the household this is what a woman does so it's like of course they're going to instill that into you um but then it's like you can remove the parts that don't fit like you said like when things don't sit well you're like okay I'm gonna remove that because that doesn't work but I'm gonna keep this because it works for me right so I think it's finding that balance individually too of like what works for me may not work for Palesa may not work for L may not work for Oweli right because I may be okay to do x y and z and you're like nah but I may not do something that you're doing so I think also with feminism and like looking at the household and things that were instructed with us, those are things that we also have to allow because I had to let go of um, some things this past year of realizing I actually had a strong bias of women that decided to be stay-at-home moms because to me, I'm like, I grew up in a, you know, get your career, do this, this, and this. And then women are like, I just want to be a mom and stay home. And I was like, why? Like, and then I had to realize like, that is a strong bias that I need to not put on women because they are raising kids like that is a job like (laughs) and I think for me I had to remove that and be like I need to learn to start changing that bias in my own settings because that's really really destructive and if we're going to talk about feminism and things like that so for me it may have been more of that and I think I'm learning to deconstruct what that looks like um, out of that framework what about you Elle? I, I think I'm like more aligned with Unitasia because I had three sisters growing up. Um, but unlike you, um, my father was not very um, present. Uh, we were strange now. So it was really a lot of like things not sitting well, but like unspoken. Like, I know that that's wrong. I know that that's not right. 
and my mother being the, the breadwinner and the matriarch of our family and seeing her go out and work and I'm like okay so that's not in the line of like what I'm being socialized with what I'm being taught um and then all my sisters are very outspoken like like they do social justice work so it's like it was an evolution I think of like learning like that's not right that's that's some bullshit and I'm gonna like figure out how to like make it on my own and I think that's when I was like feminism works but also like recognizing our intersectionality in it you know and showing up in spaces um being a dark-skinned black woman and like I think that kind of ties to like our initial piece of this podcast of like womanism and what that looks like and, and showing up as a black woman doing all the right things and still not getting the successes that we were promised right the fairy tale life that we were um said that we were going to have if we did x y and z and so i think it's learning to finesse the system um while also being a strong advocate for yourself and for other women um in terms of like either creating space at the table or just saying fuck it and making your own table right I think that's where it comes down to and like learning how to incorporate things that work for you and I think that that's not just feminism I think that's everything I think if you're a human being you need to be evolving constantly learning how whatever you're doing causes harm like Latasia you're saying that like you have to reconstruct how you saw stay-at-home moms that's worked like we were we were taught as black women you got to get paper you got to do this you got to do that you got to go to work you got to you know and then now there's like this built-in bias or like not even hatred but like just like why why would you choose to be a stay-at-home mom it's like but that's also their choice so it's like as a human you're constantly evolving and taking what works and what doesn't work and or what causes harm for other people and removing that from your narrative because I think that's what people don't want to do they don't want to do the hard work of like how am I culpable in harm and it could be the best intention person and they're still culpable in harm and like I can say that I probably have been culpable in harm just because of the way that I have been socialized and like once I learn it's like oh either I pivot or I stay sitting in that shit and I don't want to be a shitty person so I'm gonna pivot and keep learning I don't know if that answered the question but that was my thoughts <laughs> Yeah, like it's funny, like I think it's also funny that you say that because, like I mentioned before, like you know, before we go into the conversation of like woman, um, womanism, um, I think it's very important to realize that feminism differs in all, in so many ways. But I think the underlying factor that I wish I remember is the choice, mm-hmm. choice for women to make their own choices, and that's really what I advocate, I advocate for it, because you know. People say things like, you know, I was in a, I was in a room where people were talking about how like, oh, like Nigerian feminism is different from like Western feminism. And, you know, my question to them, so like, what is Nigerian feminism? And um, they were saying that, well, Nigerian, Nigerian feminism is when they talk about men are trash and when they want to take men for all of, that, of, all of their money and all of their finances. And I said, I think that's valid because men in Nigeria use finances and money as power to oppress women. So would it be wrong if women decide to say, I'm going to use that to my advantage. I'm going to better my life and better myself. Like um, people might sound wrong because I used to have this mindset. I wanted to be very independent. Like I wanted to be a strong woman, have everything going. But 
how easy it is to be a strong woman in this society and also to be a woman of color if we're being honest like when it comes to being paid well and then then being respected so it, it comes down to you can't really just be talking be talking be talking you have to keep men where it hurts and because they've always used that as their means of power or oh, have money women at science say okay you have money well i'm going to spend your money i think that's valid as well i think um when people talk about the fact that oh like what, what does that mean and stuff like that and just like even if we wanted to say oh let's have a two working income household it would never be equal because as women we pay more for our you know our health our lifestyle you know the sanitary towels the hair even when you go to like when you go to the store, women pay more for beauty products versus men. Men use three in one and it's just like maybe $5. And then women have to have the separate one, the facial hair, the facial or um, take care of yourself, groom yourself, which if we're looking at it, it's also being done in purpose for the man. So it, the, is it really, really, really um, not right for you to say women should take men for like their money? So it was just like, I think we should allow women the right to choose how they want to practice their feminism because we've been hurt in so many ways left by that center and physical abuse is one thing emotional abuse is another thing financial abuse is another thing and we look at histories you see that women have also just been abused with like finances when we think about the fact that some women didn't have to work you know we talked about you know being a, a housewife and that was ways that it was used to like oppressing men, like, oh, they're, they're, well, you're a housewife. House duties are very valid and they're hard and they're tough as well. People think raising kids is just easy. And then imagine raising kids when you don't have someone who's helping you to balance that out. So the conversation is really, really, really big. It's very broad. But if we don't take our time to really just um, dissect it, I think we're always just being really unfair and being biased. So that women would say, well, my feminism is not really about you know, activism or my feminism is taking men for their money. I've been in spaces where women be like, I take men's money and I put it into nonprofit organizations for women. And yes, like, you know, because we have to benefit women in some ways, we have to pay back women. It's the same way when we black people talk about how they have to be paid back reparations for all of slavery and things that have happened because it's very valid. They've taken so much from women that women have to feel like, I'm being owed something. And until that has been balanced out, we can't have a conversation of like equality. It reminds me of that movie Hustlers. <laughs> I know this is really random, but it reminded me of that. <laughs> Cause that's what they did. They were just at the point where they're like, okay, like you took so much from us and we're not getting what we need. But I mean, I mean, I can agree or disagree to some points of this because I feel like that's a whole larger podcast topic that it can be on its own um, but I agree like especially financial control um, especially in other parts of the world it's a very big thing like and I think that that's also where my bias came from of like stay-at-home moms and stuff because I'm like you just want to be home and be controlled like I think that literally is what I felt it wasn't even necessarily they have more, like ambition in life I was just like there's so many options now like and so I was like why would you choose that one but I mean at the same time like my bias is that but their household might be balanced like they have all the things they need in the household to be at home and feel supported by that person or their partner you know so I have to also allow that bias to be you know taken apart and be like listen that person I may look from them afar but they may be okay and they like the setting they're at and so I, I do agree like 
the feminism we have has to be a choice for everybody. It has to look different. If we don't allow that, then we're just once again limiting what women should be. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're causing harm. We're like continually causing harm. Uh, side note, uh, all the women who are mothers, yo, you are down. <laughs> I do not want kids. They are like on another <laughs> level. Cause you, oh. Anyways, praise it's be to all because Today is Mother's Day. So I guess happy Mother's Day to all the great women. In the UK, yeah. the UK, it's Mother's Day, yeah. Oh, in the UK. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mother's <laughs> Day is not right after my birthday. How is that a thing? Like, we have like two or three Mother's Day celebrations. But yes, yeah. yes, that please. Um, yes. But honestly, that's all I, yeah. But we're definitely going to have a motherhood discussion on our podcast. So for sure, you will get all your flowers and accolades. <laughs> well, what is one takeaway that you folks would say, you know, in this whole feminism, womanism conversation, maybe um, a perspective or a takeaway that you think folks uh, should be reminded of at the tail end of this episode so that they're like, I'm going to take this home with me and this is going to, I can add it. Um. I feel like we haven't really defined like womanism. So um, I don't know if I have like the definition in my head, but I know that it was really something that stemmed off feminism. It's like a branch of feminism, but it was a fe- it was created for women of color and black women um, specifically. Um, and to be honest, I didn't even understand this until like a few years um, back when I came to the term like misogynoir, because misogyny is the hate hate of women but misogyny is the hate of black women and for years you've seen black women really suffer at the hands of um, men white women and black men you know there's a hierarchy structure you know there's white men who are sitting at the top of the structure and there's like white women and then there's black men and there's um, and there's black women so i know like one of the things that we've talked about was how white women got their liberation but left black women behind um you know, I was reading a book like recently and it was a book about race and segregation. And um, one of the activists was a white professor in the university who was, you know, going out to the streets and might match for women's rights, gender pay gap and stuff like that. Um, and then her her black counterpart asked, you know, what about the women of color? What about the Negro women? Don't they get to be in this movement as well? And she said, oh, well, I mean, if they want to join, they should join, but they have other issues that they have to face. It was almost like we were not considered to be part of this movement at, at all, but also because they didn't understand racial identity, that you as a white woman can break gases, but someone can stop me from coming into work because my hair is a professional, because I have braids in, you know, or because my body's too, my body's too sexy in my dress that I'm going to wear today. Um, it was conversations like that that made me realize that I I can't I can't be a feminist if there's no intersection in my feminism if I don't understand that there's there's gen, there's gender bias and there's race bias. So as much as we uh, women are finding their liberation, um, black women are still behind. And black women are also still behind in the conversation of like race. Like when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it's black women who are still left behind in Black Lives Matter. Even when we see that the the movement itself was coined by three black women, but they were they're not the face of the movement anymore, you know. And that doesn't even really the struggles of men or black men. It just shows that women who have been doing the fight, doing the work, showing up are the ones who are still being left behind. That's why they're being killed. That's why the, the cases of violence and 
abuse is not being talked about. Like no one takes rape case so seriously. Like if white women are do, are the front front of Me Too movement, what about the black girls who are being trafficked and not being talked about? You know, so um, one of my take is once I'm looking at, I once I'm practicing all of the ideas that I have, I'm practicing this from the view of a black woman and African woman. Like just like how does this look like for me as a Nigerian woman or as a I would say black women now living in Canada, how does this differ for me? Yeah, wow, that's really good. Thanks, Oweli. I think, I think, you know, womanism itself could be a whole like two hour conversation. And I agree with you in terms of how you show up. I think a takeaway is how and this is a takeaway and a question, I guess, for us and for you know our viewers and for the broader society. Like, how can we integrate conversations about womanism into conversations of feminism and highlight them and identify, like highlight and and illuminate them? Because even though when I was looking up womanism, it was still redirecting me to feminism. I'm like, we, we're not even having these conversations. Like we're having conversations amongst ourselves, but like the broader, the broader society, like it was coined in the 70s by Alice Walker because she saw that there was like a lack of black women being represented. And like it's been incorporated and embedded in, in different types of narratives, but like we still haven't had that broader conversation of how black women continuously are left behind and how black women are the organizers of so many social justice movements and we don't get our flowers, we don't get our accolades, we don't and we're not doing it for that shit, but like it would still be nice. Like we are the ones who are moving stuff forward, and yet we'll move stuff forward to the point, and then a white woman will come in and like take the baton and push it past finish, finish line. And it's like, for why? So I think my takeaway is also just a question, like why, why in 2021, when we say we have so much progress being made, we're still, we're still not there. And that's sad, so. Ooh, um, <laughs> oh, those are very big takeaways. Um, I guess my takeaway is keep reading and like keep educating yourself and keep broadening it. But I, you know, I really like to come back to Awela's thing about choice. I think, you know, for me, um, liberation looks like, you know, the people like once again at the bottom of the of the poll um, who are able to choose to tell their stories and have the opportunity to voice them however they want to, whatever they look like. And so if your feminism, your liberation, your work doesn't look or even include that in some aspect for them to be able to tell their stories, because I think we also get caught up in, you know, when we're learning, we want to tell their story or tell their stories. We see it even now in art, right? A lot of people, um, a lot of non-Black people will tell the Black story, right? They'll have exhibitions. This is the Black story. This is the this, right? You get sold t-shirts and tote bags with Black women on it, right? But it's like, who is the artist who's painting that? A lot of the times it's not the Black women that are on there, right? And it's like, how do we get people to also not do that? Don't try to tell our story for us thinking that's liberation. What we want to do is to have access to all of the means so that we can choose to tell our story and we can tell it in whichever way we want to. If we want you to be walking around with a tote bag with a Black woman on it, then make sure that that comes from another Black woman, right? Let's stop supporting these other people who, you know, are 
selling black things, they're selling the black story who are not black people. And so even in the same sense, right, in terms of feminism and womanism, you know, maybe can be said that really go to the people who are talking about this, like Awala said, and like Al said, who are the founders and go to them and see what they, um, or like their aspect is kind of start at the beginning again and the root of it, because what we're seeing now is the commercialization and commodity of all of these things. And like, if that's what you're gonna buy into, might as well lay down and give up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <So true. laughs> uh, my takeaway is I think it goes similar to what, what Palessa was saying earlier of like making sure that our spaces and our sisterhood are having these conversations, right? Like just like here, we're having an open dialogue about what our biases or what we've learned in the past and the way we're evolving our feminism, I think that we need to start just making sure we're always constantly opening up that dialogue and, and checking in with your friend, you know, if there's a struggle at work or they're dealing with something or motherhood is hard, you know, checking in with your friend and asking them what is going on and what are your struggles? Is there anything that I can help you with, you know? And I think that that way, when we start doing that in our own circles, we're able to do that in a larger capacity become, because it becomes natural, right? It doesn't become, well, I'm only doing this because they're my friend. You actually generally start to care and start having empathetic conversations with people around you because you've had them already with your close circles. You've had them already with different people. And so it just becomes a natural like, hey, how are you? Or let me check in or what is going on with you? And I think that the more we create that as women, um, we're able to start doing that on a larger and then global scale, because right now we're just limiting our conversations, right? And I'm not dismissing everything else that just said, but I think that that is the, a good conversation starter for people who just don't know if they're trying to be like, well, I don't know how to start doing that. Start doing that in your in your inner circles, because that's the beginning. Um, it's one thing, like we just said, like to put a feminist thing on Instagram or social media or be whatever the voice of something. But if you're not even doing it in your inner circle and we go into your inner circle and we see that you're not that person, you're still perpetuating the same things we're saying are the problem. And so that's my takeaway. I also just wanted to add that um, also, just as much as women, we will have these conversations in their small spaces and on social media and other bigger platforms, the real work also is with men because they uphold the structures that, put in, that are put in place to oppress or um, ostracize or take rights away from women. So if men really want to be allies towards women, they have to educate themselves. They have to understand the struggles that women are talking about in terms of helping them create liberation. And don't they should not expect cookies or awards or placards for them trying to do the right thing. So it's not talking to a woman or saying, teach me, educate me, I want to learn. It is going to the internet and picking up books that can help you understand why you feel this way when women tell you, I'm struggling, but you think it's about you. It's you going back to your circle of friends. It's you speaking up for that woman who got disrespected in your space. It's you removing abusers from your spaces when you're aware of like the actions they've done against women or even just other people. And it's also you making sure that you speak up for that woman in your workplace when she's not being recognized for all of her hard work. It's things like that that need help. Like we can do all of the work, we can create grassroots organizations, we can start the conversations, but we can do all of this hard work. But if the people who are really in this um, space not, not trying to 
assist or help we're just gonna still be having this conversation like in a cycle so if men are always thinking how can we help this is how you can help mm-hmm. okay thank you everyone this is a great conversation i'm sure we could have talked for hours and i'm sure we're probably gonna have a part two of this uh, but thank you so much Wally, for being our guest we are really happy to have you and um, it's been a pleasure and also thank you for being on our team so i love it it's great that we got to have like a podcast again with team members i think it's so fun we get to know more about each other and the different discussions so stay tuned for any other episode and for this one thank you everyone for listening Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. We also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.